This is the Rise City Church Sermon Podcast. We are a church in Gresham, Oregon, on a mission to rise up and saturate our city with the gospel. We would love for you to join us on Sundays. For more information, check out our website, rise.cc. Whether you already follow Jesus or are exploring Christianity, we hope that you experience the power of God through this message. With the invention of the internet, the creation of the iPhone, we were promised to be more connected than ever before. But we're discovering there is a massive difference between deep connection and being socially networked. The results in the wake of this facade of closeness is that we are experiencing profound disconnection in an exceedingly lonely world. Yet from the opening pages of the Bible, We see that this aloneness is not good for our souls. It is not what you were created for. Only the gospel has the power to flip this experience upside down. You are created for connection. You are called to be a people. Through his church, Jesus is writing a new story, building an eternal family. So stop settling for the cultural experience of isolation and disconnection and find your people. Together, let's fight to build deep connection in a lonely world. Morning, Rise City Church. How are we? Good. Wow, you are very warm this morning. It's like you've been prepped. That's great. Um, You know, sometimes God gives us kind of an on-ramp to the darkness. This year, it was a flip of a switch. I was not ready. I mean, the rain and the darkness and the cold. That's that's what I mean. Uh, Also, well, I guess I was ready to a degree. I've had my wool socks rolled up and ready to go. Um, You know, the Northwesterner in me kind of looks forward to the seasonal depression and the darkness and the wool socks, you know? Um, It's good. Um, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Russell Woods. Uh, I'm new here at Rise, like many of you. Um, I'm the pastor of community life as well as young adults. And I wanted to just take a moment, because I can, uh, and give you a window into what's happening here in community life. We've launched groups here as a church, and part of my job um, has been to get to know the group leaders here and support them. And uh, as I've slowly gotten to know them, I'm just like humbled. Like some days I'm just like, I get to work with these people. This is my job. I just get to pinch myself because we have some amazing people here at Rise. And I just want you to hear from me. We see these people as pastors of our church. We trust them deeply, and that's how we see their role. They're pastoring our church. Um, We want to see our community at Rise here doing church through the week and then celebrating what God is doing through the week here on Sunday. That will change the culture and build a fire even bigger on Sundays when we catch that vision. The second thing I want to tell you, um, other young adult people in the room? Okay, there's one, but uh, as a young adult's pastor, um, again, feel so humbled. God is doing something in the young adults in this church. Um, I cannot overemphasize the power of spiritual hunger in an individual. And there are so many young adults in this community who are spiritually hungry. Um, so I just want to encourage you this morning if this is your church, the future is really bright. Um, it's really bright here at Rise. Um, Today, we're talking about how community forms us. 
We're talking about how community forms us. And before we begin, I want to begin by reading to you an excerpt from David Foster Wallace, an American author and novelist. He says this, There are these two young fish swimming along, and they happen to meet an older fish swimming the other way. The older fish nods at them and says, Morning, boys, how's the water? And the two young fish swim on for a bit, and then eventually one looks over the other and says, what the heck is water? He didn't say what the heck. I edited that a little bit for you. <laughs> if you're worried that I plan to present myself here as the wise older fish, explaining what water is to younger fish, please don't be. I am not the wise old fish. The point of the fish story is merely that the most obvious, important realities are often the ones that are hardest to see and talk about. Let me read that line one more time. The point of the fish story is merely that the most obvious, important realities are often the ones that are hardest to see and to talk about. So at Rise, we have been in a series about um, talking about community. Um, find your people building deep connection in a lonely world. And today we're talking about how community forms us, how community shapes who we are. The last two weeks, Jason's been giving us a foundation. He started off giving us a theological framework that our God is a relational God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We, he created us. Let us create God, uh, man in our image. He is relational in his very nature. And then last week, Jason talked about it was more pragmatic and wisdom-based, how to be a good friend requires a lot of work and a lot of patience, but it is worth it. But today we're talking about how we're formed and how we're shaped in community. So going back to the fish and water, I want to spend a moment before I can go any further and explain some water levels of reality to you. Before we can talk about how we're formed in community, we have to first understand the water we are swimming in today. Does that make sense with me? I'm pretty conversational, so you can say yes if I, if I ask you. Okay. Okay. Three levels of water today. First is cultural. What is the cultural water we're swimming in? The second is broadly what is going on in the Western American church. And the third is how you and I are affected by that water. Culture. If there is one word I could use to describe our culture, I would say doing totally fine, no problems at all. That's a joke. If there's one word I could say to, de to use to define our culture, that word would be decline. We are in cultural decline. Is that surprising anyone in the room today? Okay, good. We're on the same page. We are living through dramatic cultural decline. We don't know what the next bad thing will be, but I don't think anyone in this room will be surprised anymore about when it comes. We know the graph of our cultural moment is not necessarily going up and to the right. It's going to the right, but it's in decline. We are in dramatic cultural decline. Uh, philosopher Charles Taylor calls our cultural moment the culture of authenticity. The term I like a little bit better by Robert Bella is expressive individualism. In his book, Strange New World, Carl Truman brings both of these phrases together saying, the modern self is the one where authenticity is achieved by acting outwardly in accordance with one's inward feelings. Let me read that again. The modern self is the one where authenticity is achieved by acting outwardly 
in accordance with one's inward feelings. The modern self, defined by the culture of authenticity and expressive individualism, is the God of our age and culture. It is the God of our age, and it is a cruel, destructive God that requires sacrifice, allegiance, and homage. Live your truth. You do you. You can be whatever you want to be. Do what feels right. Throw off all constraints that might restrict the definition of your authentic self. And what we're talking about here is emotion, being led by emotion, aren't we, to a degree, on a, on a practical level? And I want to just pause for a moment and give a preface, because the emotions get a bad rap in the church as we pendulum swing the other way sometimes. Um, you and I were created in the image of God, amen? Our God is an emotional God. Read the Psalms. It's inescapable that God is emotion. Um, emotions are a pre-fall reality to who you and I are. But emotions must be integrated and submitted to the way and the life and the truth of Jesus Christ. The individual emotions have moved from a place and a space where we encounter the word and voice of God to ruling everything in our day. The individual emotions have moved from a powerful means of communing with God, and now they are the slave drivers of our culture. The feelings of the individual are defining truth, therefore objective truth has been erased in our time. Is that making sense? Is anyone being surprised by that this morning? I'm good, you're still with me. In organizations, families, and sadly, even churches, the groups or the individuals with the most emotional unhealth often have the loudest voice, and they are defining institutional practices in organizational cultures. Every time you turn on the news, every time you log in online, you are seeing what I am talking about here. I'm just trying to give you some language to what you're seeing every day. With me? Okay. Water level number two. I'm just here to encourage you this morning. It's going to get worse before it gets better. I'm sorry. <laughs> we are living through cultural decline, but now let's talk about the moment of the Western church at large. If decline is the word for our cultural moment, crisis is the word for the Western church right now. If decline is the word for our cultural moment, crisis is the word for the Western church right now. And let me preface this. If you've come to rise for, if you've been here for a while or you've been here for a long time, um, what we are experiencing here is, I think, a movement of God's spirit. But it can be um, easy to forget that what we are experiencing here is not what is normal out there. It's not what is normal out there. Our experience here at RISE is not reflective of the larger moments that the Western uh, American church is facing right now. And let me give another preface. I am talking about the Western American church. I am not talking about what God is doing in power that would shake some of us today in Africa, in Iran, in South America. He is, at he is on the move all over the world. But the Western church, the Western church is in crisis. I could give you article after article, data point after data point, on a mathematical, statistical level, it's not looking super good for us. 
celebrity pastor scandals, sexual abuse in the Catholic Church and other denominations, political hijacking, and social indifference to the world around us. We keep church in the building, it doesn't leave. And I would humbly suggest that there's one issue that does as much damage but is way harder to see. The church in the West has settled for insight instead of obedience and transformation discipleship. Amen. We have settled for insight instead of obedience, transformation-based discipleship. Water level number three, how do these realities affect you and I in the room today? The first one is this, that we often, myself included, settle for insight instead of obedience and transformation-based discipleship. We are called, my friends, to a discipleship that starts here. It's good. It starts here, but it must move. It must move to the heart, to the being, to the habits, and then to the character. The things we learn on a Sunday must leave the building through you and I. We have this amazing capacity as Christians, and I say this with no guile. We have this amazing capacity as Christians to authentically experience the love of God, but remain unchanged in our ability to love others. We have this amazing capacity to experience God's love, but not be changed to be able to love other people. My wife and I bought a house in Portland four years ago. Yes, we were lucky. Um, and when we bought the house, we had a, a sober conversation because we, we uh, getting the house was a miracle. It's a story of its own. But when we bought the house, it needed some work. And once we analyzed our strengths and weaknesses as a couple, we said, we don't have money to remodel it, to pay someone else to do it, but we don't have kids. And so we have energy, time, and good backs. We're going to do it ourselves. <laughs> We don't have any of those anymore, but we had them four years ago. Um, but as we've been remodeling our house, um, I, I have been struck by the power of YouTube. You can learn some of, you can build a rocket and go to Mars with YouTube if you wanted to. I'm pretty sure there's a channel for that. Um, but as we bought the house, I would, this was my cycle, I would watch a YouTube video or two and then I would, you know, do the project. But occasionally I would get to a project that really scared me. Uh, like tiling. Anyone tiled anything before? Yeah. When you set the grout and you set the tile, it is finished. <laughs> you better have gotten it right. And uh, I would, on certain projects, uh, be watching YouTube, and my wife and I termed this phrase, the, I would enter into the YouTube spiral of death. <laughs> I would enter into the YouTube spiral. Am I the only one who's ever done this? No, okay, good, good, all oh, good. Thanks for helping me out there. Um, I would enter into this space where I had this subconscious fear of action, and I believed this lie that as I was watching a YouTube video about the project, I was moving the project forward. <laughs> and as I would watch the videos over and over again, maybe my 10th video on tiling a bathroom floor, my wife would, you know, gently, you know, are you, are you starting? Are you going to start? I'm I, I've started. I've started. I'm watching the video. I believe this lie that my, men my mental game of learning is actually moving me forward. The YouTube spiral of death. Here is my point. We are good at mental assent and agreement, but that's easy. We have to move from mental assent to stumbling forward in obedience at some point. 
we often keep the love of Jesus here and we don't let it move to our heart, to our habits, to our life. We settle for an insight-based discipleship rather than an obedience and transformation-based discipleship. Number two, the second level where this, the second place where this, um, the cultural realities are intersecting into our reality. As we follow Jesus in the culture of expressive individualism, we can believe the lie that our faith is individual rather than a communal experience. We can believe the lie that our faith is an individual rather than communal experience. As we look at the grim horizon of our culture, it can be easy to believe that God is not on the move in the Western church, that he is not sowing seeds of revival and renewal even now, but that's not true. The gates of hell will not prevail against Jesus' church. They just won't. Mark Sayers says this, trace a revival back to its origins and you will inevitably inevitably find a person or handful of people moved by God. People who took on a renewal process that first changed them before it changed others. My friends, are you longing, like me, to see renewal happen in the church? Are you longing to see the course of our history changed? Are you longing to see the captives set free and our trajectory of our time altered? There is a person who God intends to use to that end. There is a person who he will empower with his spirit to lead the charge. And, oh, oh yeah, that person is sitting in your chair. That person is you. You don't get to pay me or Jason or whoever up front to do the work of ministry. We're here to equip you to be that kind of person. The person is you. And I I just, as I was preparing this, I just had this sense that maybe I should need to say this more directly. Some of you today need to confront the satanic lie that your role in the church is not needed. That your, your job and your, whatever you're doing has no impact on the kingdom of God. That's not true. Wherever you are, you are a pastor of your industry. At home with the kids, at work in, a, in an environment where they would laugh at what you're doing right now, you are a pastor of your industry. So the question is, how do we become that kind of person? Because if, if you're like me, I'm not that kind of person yet where God could use me to bring renewal. How do we become those kinds of people? If you have your Bibles today, um, our main text will be Ephesians 4, starting in verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The context of what Paul is saying here is communal in nature. He is writing to the church of Ephesus, to the group of people who will be reading this letter. He says, be made new together. Together is assumed, be made new together. Uh, I'm going to 
go to a different section of Scripture, you feel free to turn there or you can read uh, the words on the screen. We're going to now read Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. This is describing the early church. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all of the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The beginning of the Christian church, that's what we're reading there in Acts, the beginning of the Christian church the movement that changed the world, that your reality that you live in right now is shaped by, the movement that conquered a Roman empire through sacrificial love was devoted to teaching and each other. They were devoted to teaching and each other. My friends, my hope for you today, two things, that you catch a vision for your redemptive potential that God wants to use you, not me on the stage, you. That you would catch a vision for your redemptive potential and that you would see that that vision is only achieved and acquired through a process of formation and change through community. Redemptive potential, that's a beautiful phrase. But how do we get there? A communal process of change. This could be its own sermon, but I wanted to give you uh, what I think is a deeply biblical model of change today. Truth, practices, and community. Truth, practices, and community are how we change as believers, all powered by the person of the Holy Spirit. Let's first talk about truth. Truth is where we bring our mind, soul, and body under the truth of God's word. In a culture of relative truth, we change by continual exposure to the transcendent word of God. Relative truth and culture, transcendent word of God, the truth that is above our experience and feelings. We change by exposure to truth, and we change by practices. We don't change only through a moment of mental agreement, The truth of Jesus must show up in our practices. It must show up in our schedule somehow. Um, If you look at me today, it might surprise you that I'm not really cut out for basketball. (laughs) I was never really good at it. I don't know why. Um, But bear with me for a second. If I shot hoops um, every day for two years, would I get okay at basketball? Is that... You don't don't know me. You're like, maybe not, bro. Maybe not. If I wanted to learn an instrument, play guitar, play the drums, what do I have to do? Practice, right? If I want to become a person of love who is marked by Jesus Christ, here's what we say, what we think we do. I agree that Jesus is the Lord. I'm good. Leave it there. Leave it there at the moment and don't step into the lifestyle. Don't step into the practices. It's the one thing in life that we treat this way is our faith. We must practice and do stuff to become people marked by Jesus' love. Are you with me? Is that making sense? Okay. Third, 
community. Our faith is meant to be lived out in the context of community. Jason talked about this last week, that Jesus did life with people. Jesus, the one person who could do life on his own and be all right, chose to do life in community where he was limited, frustrated, and at times held back. Jesus chose to do life in community. Show me your friends. Show me your community. I will show you your future. Show me your friends. Show me your community. I will show you your future. So let me review this really quick. Truth, practices, and community all fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit because you need a power to change too. Well, at least I do. Maybe some of you are good. So as we look at this model of change uh, and this, this vision of transformation, we have to hone in on community. Why is community so important? Or another question, what is the point? What is the point of Christian community? Joseph Hellerman says this, spiritual formation occurs primarily in the context of community. Listen here. Long-term interpersonal relationships are the crucible of genuine progress in the Christian life. Notice how he didn't say um, long-term interpersonal relationships are the flower-laden path (laughs) to progress and change. They are the crucible. I don't have the dictionary definition of crucible, but it doesn't sound, it's not good. (laughs) My friends, the point of community is not simply to be a fix to your loneliness, though it is part of that. The point of community is not to find a network where you can benefit from the social contract of community, though that is part of it too. And I don't mean to ruffle feathers unnecessarily, but here I go. The main point of community is also not to read the Bible and come away with mental insights from it, though that is part of it too. It's part of it. The point of Christian community is to form you into the likeness of Jesus. The point of Christian community is to form you into the likeness of Jesus, to move you from separation of God, from God, to union with God. That is the point, and it's often not easy. We'll talk about that more later. A Holy Spirit-empowered, Jesus-led community is the vehicle that changed 12 disciples from political enemies to friends. Community is the crucible that changed fishermen, tax collectors, and rebel zealots into transformed people who transformed the world. Men and women who were changed in community fathered and mothered a movement in the church that changed the world. You and I are breathing and living because of what they did 2,000 years ago. Your reality is built on what they did then. My friends, renewal in the culture and in the moment we're living in requires nothing short of a move of God. Nothing short of God breaking through in power. But part of God being a relational God, and hear me, sometimes this frustrates me if I'm honest with the Lord, is that he always chooses to partner with people like you and I. He needs to move in power, but he always seems to choose to use people like you and I. 
though that might frustrate some of us in the room. Why can't you just do it? I've got so much work to do. Don't use a person like me. But he does because he's a relational God and he loves you. I want to present to you a pattern, a historical pattern of how renewal has broken through in history. This pattern has changed my life and how I see my faith. I hope it helps you today. Personal renewal will lead to communal renewal, which then can lead to cultural renewal. Let me say that again. Personal renewal is what will lead to communal renewal here. Communal renewal here will move to cultural renewal out there. Are you with me? Okay. So here's how this ties all together. If renewal is the first step to cultural renewal and changing our time, then community is the first first step. You cannot be renewed in who God's calling you to be without community. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. You cannot experience the renewal of your heart apart from other Christians on the same journey with you. It's not an option. That doesn't work. And now I need to pause for a second and just give you not so much a warning, but a sober reality check. Community is really hard. There are much easier things you could do with your time. You will find that out quickly if you join a group. The honeymoon phase will fade, and you will say, I could be watching that show right now. Just saying, you could. It is a painful process to move from darkness to light. It is a painful process to move from death to life. I want to read a couple of verses to you. First is Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Earlier in the chapter, Proverbs 27, verse 6, faithful are the compliments. Ooh, faithful are the wounds of a friend. You will have painful moments in community, and it is through the painful moments that you are being formed. If you believe that you are a broken person with issues and you are doing life with other broken people who have issues and you are moving towards holiness together, there will be friction. As iron sharpens iron. I've never done it myself personally, but in the movies, there seems to be a lot of sparks that fly before something is made. God is trying to form you and shape you and make you into something that he can use. It will not be easy, but it will be worth it. Uh, over the last season of my life, uh, God has taught me uh, a couple lessons I want to share with you today. The first is this, that we are all being formed into something. I'm not presenting you with an option today. I'm presenting you with reality today. We are all being formed into something. Paul in Galatians 4 verse 19 says, Dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until... Christ is formed in you. One of the beautiful things I have gotten to see and be a part of as my family has transitioned to this community at Rise is that there are some amazing older saints in this community. Amazing. It is such a gift to have in a Christian community age diversity. It's so rare. As you talk to older saints, and I'm talking about older people who are following Jesus, when you talk to them, you, you just having this experience where, oh, I felt like they really cared about what I was saying. They have this gentleness to their soul, 
this love I'm feeling from them. You're experiencing what the, what the scriptures call the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We have some amazing older people who literally exhibit that in this community. But it can be really dishonoring to those people if we believe the lie that that's their personality type. They did not wake up one, one day to be a person of love. They did some hard work to get there. Years of hard work, day after day, patterned in their life to become a person of love, to become a person where the Holy Spirit and his fruit mark their life. Are you with me? Don't dishonor them by believing that's a personality trait. That's hard work over time, being formed in community. Here's the lesson I've learned. The first one, you will not wake up one day and be a person of love. You will also not wake up one day and be a person of hate. For every older saint who I have met who exhibits this, I could name 10 other older people I know in my life who are not that. I'm being gentle in my, I'm being gentle right now. They also did not wake up one day to exhibit ugliness of the inside that was formed in them through patterns and behaviors over time. We are all becoming something. You have no choice in the matter. I'm sorry. You are becoming something today. Dallas Willard says this, the most important thing in your life is not what you do. It's who you become. It's who you become. That's what you will take with you into eternity. The second lesson I've learned is this. The world and the culture and the water we are swimming in are not neutral to our formation. The world, the flesh, the devil, the culture at large has grand plans for how to form you. Every evening we give to Netflix binging and calling it rest. We are becoming something. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you, okay? Every evening we give to Netflix binging and calling it rest, we are becoming a kind of person. When our schedule is packed to the brim, we have no time or margin or space or energy to hear the voice of God or to love our neighbor, we are becoming something. You will not become the man or the woman God is calling you to be by accident. There's some work to do. So how do we reverse the water? What do we do about the water we are swimming in at a cultural level, the reputation of the Western church? How do we change the water? Do you want to see the things, cha- uh, you want to see things change and hearts freed from this God of expressive individualism? Swim a different way. Become a kind of person who is formed in community. Mutual submission to one another pointed in the same direction towards Jesus. Let the world see the freedom that comes from submitting yourself to such an inconvenient process like community. I'm calling you to freedom. I'm not just calling you to hard work. There's freedom in what we're doing here today. Do you want to see the reputation of the Western church changed and redeemed? Swim a different way. 
become the kind of person whose very character stands in opposition to the online narrative. You are that person. As we close today, I wanted to share with you personally, community, as I've walked with Jesus, I'm, I'm 33 now. I started walking with Jesus when I was 12. That's uh, 20, 20 something years, 21, is that right? Some of you math guys, help me out, there we go. I've been walking with Jesus for about 20 years, and I need to tell you, some of the hardest moments I have experienced on the journey happened in community. Straight up, the hardest moments happened in community, as well as some of the best moments I ever had happened in community. And let me tell you something else. Often those moments were the same moment. They were often the same moment. Moments of breakthrough, conquering sin, moving into maturity all happened because I was doing life with other people who were committed to love me and love the vision God was calling me to be. They didn't just love me and my feelings. They loved the vision God was calling out in me. And because they loved that vision, they were okay to at times cross my will and confront my sin. Community is hard, but it will change you, and it is worth it. The point of Christian community is to form you. You are being formed right now. The point of Christian community is to actualize God's redemptive destiny and vision in your life. It will be hard, but it is worth it. It's so worth it. Swim a different way. Let me pray for you today. Jesus, I just want to be sensitive to the reality that many people in this room uh, may be coming from a place where they have been hurt, wounded in a, in a way that doesn't build something. Many people are coming today hurt um, from church experience that happened in community. And God, I just want to ask Holy Spirit today, would you work healing in some people's lives? And then broadly, Jesus, I want to pray that you would open our eyes to the water we are swimming in. And if we are believing in a, in a faith and a model of our Christian walk that has more connection with American consumerism than what we see in Scripture, would you just reveal that to us, Father? God, my heart this morning is that everyone in this room would awaken to the reality that you are wanting to use them you will bring renewal through changing their character, their hearts, not someone else's, not someone on the stage, right there in their chair. Would you meet us, Holy Spirit, today? So God, we're, as we do community, as we do life together as a church, um, we, are, we are swimming in dark times. And God, I just pray, Holy Spirit, come into rise, breathe new life, into what you are already doing. Seal what you have done and build more, Jesus. God, I pray that today some people would awaken uh, and get off the bench and into the game. That they'd get into the game in their character formation. That they would see uh, a vision of themselves, perhaps for the first time today, that would alter habits, relationships, and bring people who feel lonely and isolated into the difficult reality that is Christian community.
Yeah, God, would you just give us today the sober, the soberness of what it is to be in community, and would you also balance that with the vision? Holy Spirit, come, seal, and keep working on what you are doing in the room today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.